This is No Halos Here, hosted by Jen Lang and Jane Stark, the place to inspire a change in your consciousness to elevate the world. We're two heart-centered business owners nourishing our inner rebels while growing our respective businesses. No Halos Here is the result of bringing together an opera singer turned spiritual mentor and a marketing professional turned well-being coach to meditate daily. Together, we unite physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energies into a powerful presence to lead, heal, and inspire. We love exploring the shadowed edges of life, the universe, and beyond through honest and thought-provoking conversations. Let's dive in. Hi again, and welcome back to another episode of No Halos Here with Jen Lang and Jane Stark. Oh my goodness, wait till you hear what we have to talk about today. (laughs) We just did a little preamble chat. We're like, oh, we're fired up. We're fired up. So yes, it is like... Bless the mess and all the shit in between. (laughs) Yes. Bless the mess. But yeah, so today we're talking about letting it go, blessing the mess, letting the mess be. And I think there's a couple of angles with this, though, Mm -hmm. like that we want to take this. Um, So you're going to have to stick with us, follow along. Um, (laughs) Because one of them is on the heels of our podcast last week about self-acceptance. Yeah. And absolutely, where can we sort of come into a place of more acceptance and allowing things to be. Uh, and we can talk about um, the more, um, I don't know, 3D human world, like, you know, letting your house be a bit messy, like having your daughter's music teacher over when you're recording a podcast. <laughs> you guys can hear <laughs> like, the music in the background. That's just my life. Oh, I can't hear it. Okay. So, good. Um, so there's that aspect of it. And then there is the more um, psychological um, I don't know what we want to call it, but like emotional piece of like allowing people to be in their own process and their own maybe emotional mess without jumping in and trying to fix it and save the world and save the day. Right. Just because it makes you feel better to do that. Yeah. Ooh. And so one of the things that spurred this conversation on mm-hmm. was a, um, a post that I came across a while ago on LinkedIn um, by, I don't actually know her last name, a woman, she goes by Emma on the big bad interwebs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I believe, I don't actually, I I feel like she might be um, European and this is translated into English. But anyways, she- You put the link in the show notes. Yeah, we can put a link to, uh, I have the link. Um, And she- wrote a, it's actually a book called the mental load, a feminist comic, and it's posted on a blog as well. So we'll link to it. Um, but she really talks about and unpacks the mental load, which for women, and we know this has been talked about a lot. Um, so we're not going to go like too, too far into that, but then on her blog, she does these little short snippets, short blog posts and, um, and comics And she talks here about how she was invited to another conference about the mental load and what it looks like to let go and just surrender. And it was targeted at women. And she brought up the point where she was like, when are we going to have a conference targeted at men, helping Mm -hmm. to support them about how to step up and take your part in the household? And it just like, it just it got me going like I was like this is so true and she talks about and she goes a bit like she she goes a bit you know to to make the point but like she's like you know the responsibility is always relying on women to change to shift Mm 
to accommodate. You know, women are too demanding. Women are too controlling, you know? And then she talks, she says, so what happens if we let go? And like when, and if, if somebody else in here, she says, if a man, but let's just say the partner or somebody else, what if you let go and nobody takes over? What happens? The dishes rot in the sink. The kids, she uses the example, the kids don't get their vaccines. The kids, you know, like, and kind of just to, to the kids miss medical point. appointments or dental mm-hmm. appointments. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, that kind of got us really fired up. Um, and sort of this conversation about what does it look like to let go a little bit? And I do think there's, I think there's a balance because yes. speaking personally, I definitely have had to let go and surrender a lot of things um, over the last, well, basically since becoming a mother. <laughs> um, and there is power in it for sure. Like I am, Definitely, because I think I was, I was, we got to look at why we're holding on. So I was trying to maintain control in my life by having things look a certain way, but it's because again, more of an internal thing. I don't have control over what's happening. Like there's all these aspects of my life that I didn't have control over. So if I have control here, then it makes me feel okay. And I think I'm okay. Yes. And that can show up in different, obviously different parts of your life. So that might show up in how you dress or how, or how you eat, but also how you keep your house. And so how you parent, how you tell everyone else what to do, how you Mm -hmm. run through your day from start to finish all of it. And so, yeah, it doesn't, I'm going to say it like, obviously the easy target is parents, but it doesn't just show up in families with children. It could show up in couples within larger fam- familial relationships and that yeah. that really just partners part like yep just partners just yeah like kirk partners, and i don't have right? kids but there's different and I, i'd say that kirk and i have a pretty i'm gonna say fairly even division of labor and chores in the house although i am definitely the record keeper in terms of mm-hmm. like the dealing like doing the medical claims and those logins and <laughs> the filing of the paperwork and the life things that, Um, which is again, a different part of the mental load, which isn't always acknowledged. And I almost like, sometimes I have to point it out and be like, the dining room table is messy with paperwork because I'm taking care of our filing. Mm -hmm. It's nothing to do with, like, I'm not trying to thwart you or make you feel um, like this place is cluttered. It's, it's something to do with, you know, our life together. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think, and so it can show up like that for sure. It also can Mm -hmm. show up just in controlling behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? Like again, in relationship, right. Where it's like, don't do it this way, do it that way, or don't do it. So there's many different ways that it shows up in my experience. For me, it was definitely, I had to look at, okay, why am I kind of trying to control my external world so tightly because I felt like my internal world or like, like there was all these things. So, you know, for a while there, like it was my health, it was my kids, it was my discomfort with my husband's career and his travel. Everybody's being really loud in my house right now. Um, oh, real life, you so, know, right. Let real it life go. And I can't this is, it. this is like literally <laughs> the, the perfect example of like letting, letting the mess be yeah. we're recording and, podcast and family life. Totally. Is happening. And that is something that I think COVID has actually really helped yes. us with 
it's become, it's helped to normalize that. Oh yeah. The cat just crawled over my computer, my keyboard. Oh yeah. My kid just opened the door and you're in the middle of a meeting, right? Like that is one thing I will say that I'm so grateful that COVID actually really did help us. Yeah. Um, just become more authentic. Like, yeah, that these are our lives and this is how this is behind the scenes and what really goes on. But I think today in terms of the, like letting the mess be, we wanted to also get into the, I don't know, the side of it where, how I, I just, how do we put I this? I notice. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say like letting the mess be is instead of feeling like women have to fix something, yes. it's letting our loved ones fuck up. It's letting our loved ones mess up and like, not always trying to change it, correct it, fix it, tell them how to navigate it. Exactly. And I say this because I used to be the queen of that. Right. Like, and that's again, that space of trying to control everything, right? Where, but when we can't allow people to feel the natural consequences of their actions or or inaction or inaction, (laughs) how do, how do we ever expect change to happen? They don't have to feel the consequences. Yeah. Like it's so uh, disempowering. Is that a word? Yeah, um, I think it's disempowering, and it's also it's also actually not in service to the highest good of your partner or your loved no. one because you're preventing them from learning the the lessons whatever, that life, say broad, that the they're here to learn. Life. Yeah, right. I mean, it's the whole. I mean, I'm you know, as a parent, we hear the term natural consequences all the time in the parenting mm. space, and it's really interesting to start to unpack it. And what does that actually mean? And what does that actually look like? And what I started to realize is like, as a society, we don't actually really let people feel natural consequences of their actions very often. Children or not. Um, Yeah. Like, you know, even think about down to, um, you know, my kids aren't quite, they're not at high school level quite yet, but how many parents wake their teens up to get them to school on time? Mm-hmm. And what are you doing when you do that? Yep. How is your teen going to learn to show up for work on time when mom's not there to kick them out of bed anymore Yeah. in the morning? So why are we stopping them from learning these lessons when they're 14, 15, 16, and, and then they have to learn them when they're 25 or whatnot? I was just talking to a friend who she was, we were talking about this this exact thing and how she had to, I don't remember if she, if she said her, her son is in his early twenties now. And, um, and she, I don't remember if when he was a teenager and if she did the whole get him up or not, but she said she finally stopped. Like he had his first job or one of his like first jobs. And she finally like had this moment of like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to nag you about being late for work. And she's like, what happened? He finally lost his job because he couldn't show up on time. Wow. So he had to learn, but we're coddling our mm-hmm. children through this and not letting, and then, and then the cycle just continues. Right. And yeah. as adults, we do it to our spouses. We do it to our family. Like in so many different like, ways. Do we feel like this is, I think like there's some breakdown here around generational aspects so i'd say that you and i fall into broadly into gen x where i was definitely yeah, like I'm a right latchkey kid 
I was definitely a latchkey kid. Like, I got myself home from school. I entertained myself until my parents got home from work. And, you know, that was, I was absolutely expected to be self-sufficient. Got myself, like, walked to yeah. myself to school in the morning and to music lessons. Yes, my parents drove me when appropriate and when necessary. But part I think there's partly personality piece, because I'm very much a self-starter. Right. And partly generational um yeah i mean we've heard you know you hear about the helicopter parent generation and all of that um i mean i was sort of a latchkey kid i wouldn't say i was a full-on latchkey kid um not not as much but i also i mean i don't know i also had for me like if i reflect on the high school years and things like that i had I had a different experience a little bit because I got sick. Um, right. In grade 11. So I still had like eight, nine, 10, but by grade 11, I got mono and I had mono for the last half of grade 11 and first half of grade 12. So I had a free pass to come and go to school whenever I wanted. So it was a very weird experience because I had no accountability. Like it was, you know, you, at that, I don't know if you do anymore, but at that time you actually, I think you had to have a letter, like a note from a parent, um, to leave and you'd, you'd sign in and sign out of school. Um, and I just had a, yeah, like I say, a free pass where I just came and went as I could. Um, so I don't really have a, a normal view of that. I don't think, but it's an interesting question because did our parents not wake oh, us up in the morning or I don't know. I think I remember, us? I don't remember my parents ever getting me up, but again, I, I was always an early riser. I was always very self-motivated in the morning um, and that was yeah. for a whole variety of reasons as a teenager. Um, but interestingly, thinking of natural consequences, so I took math 12 and around, I'd say a couple months, four months, three, four months into my grade 12 year, I started hanging out with some interesting people in a different community. And so then my grades suffered, particularly yeah. in math, because it was such a compounding like if you mm-hmm. didn't get the previous yeah. concept, you couldn't move on to the next concept. And so, you know, the natural consequences of that was that my GPA fell and I actually didn't get my final um, grade 12 scholarship. Like it was $500. It was a every year you got more. But because of the academic classes I'd chosen and that one grade pulled me down just enough that I didn't actually get that uh, $500 for university. Mm-hmm. And so $500 in the 90s went uh hell of a lot further than it does now, obviously. But I understood then the natural consequences of balancing a social life with academics. Right. That for me was a very real thing. Now as an adult, yeah, of course I know these things. Um, But it's always helpful to have a reminder, you know, where because I was a self-starter, I would, i and I still have this tendency to overbook my calendar and overschedule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so every once in a while, Kirk, or even sometimes you've nudged me and be like, that looks really busy. <laughs> and like, it's not all appointments. Like I put placeholders in there for, mm-hmm. for taking breaks and things like that. But I have to remind myself not to overbook. And now that I work with my natural cycle, with my period and my menstrual cycle, I know not to book a lot in that you know, that couple days before and the couple days of, mm-hmm. otherwise I'll burn myself out or I, mm-hmm. or I book myself space. So th- I know from natural consequence from getting sick and those pieces. So I 
So that's interesting though, because that's because you were allowed to learn to feel the consequences and have the consequences. Right. But if somebody was always in there stepping in right at the Mm -hmm. last moment to save you from, you know, whatever the thing was, you don't actually get to learn that. And then you don't, and then you just keep repeating the same patterns and the same patterns and the same patterns. Um, I think that's a big part of this, right? Like we, again, like I look at, um, just some incidences, like in my own household. I mean, I think, I think the family and parent dynamic, I think both like relationship, like spouse, partner, yeah, and then family dynamic are the easiest ways to see where this shows up. But, you know, like, for example, when my kids don't like the way my husband's parenting and they come running to me mm-hmm. and I used to be really, really like really good at jumping in and saving the day or course correcting or whatever. But then I wasn't actually honoring and allowing both my child and my husband to feel the consequences or to see, like to, to navigate their relationship and figure out what isn't, isn't working. Yeah. And so I'm actually blocking them from learning that lesson, which when it was put to me that way, I was like, Oh, that doesn't feel very good. Exactly. It's hard. Like I really, it's really hard for me not to jump in and be like, Hey, why don't we try it this way or do that or this thing or whatever, because, but that's my own discomfort with however things are going down. Hmm. And so that piece, that's been my big, big lesson. Like I've gone through the whole bless the mess of the house and let go of caring so much about what people think, or, you know, if there's a mess here or there and whatever. And now I feel like I'm in this next layer of like, huh, what would it look like to let people actually have their emotions about things to let people, um, you know, be in their own mess, like, and, and spin in their it, shit and, and not do anything shit. A friend of mine yeah. called it like sitting in their puddle of mud and yeah. not go in and save the day. And I don't know, I'm still kind of unpacking where I picked this up, but I definitely picked up this savior piece of like that I can go in and fix it or save it or whatever. But again, it's, it's very, um, it's kind of from a self-serving place. It's because I'm not comfortable with that mess or perhaps because of some ego perspective where I think I can save the day and I'm, and I'm Mm -hmm. tying value to my ability to do that. So that's been really humbling to have to look at those pieces. Totally. Totally. Also really empowering as I've started to get over the like initial with it. It's really empowering to kind of be able to go, okay, I don't have to fix this. I don't have Mm -hmm. to save this. Like, hello, boundaries. Yes. And that's so much of this conversation threads through, I'm going to say through threads through so much of the work we do, because yes, it's boundaries. Yes. It's a level of self-acceptance and it's a level of surrender Mm -hmm. and that other broader acceptance piece. And like, can you accept the journey and the life lessons that your loved ones are here to learn and take on without interfering. And here's, and here's the the clincher societal conditioning Mm -hmm. puts a lot of pressure on women to fix the mess 
So it's not just like, you know, yes, there's some reflection where I'm like, where did I pick this up? Some of it is probably childhood. So a lot of it is conditioning, right? We're yeah. conditioned to be the good girl. We're conditioned as women to be the ones that go in the, the empathetic ones that like, oh no, you're hurting, you're hurting. Let me come and like, make that feel better for you. Yeah. To please, to, you know, like how much of things reflect if the house is messy, subconsciously who do we think we go to first oh she keeps a really untidy house do we think like oh wow he really like he really Mm -hmm. doesn't you know tidy up I think we go to the woman first that's just subconsciously where we go to because women for thousands of generations have been traditionally the keepers of the household Mm -hmm. so and the parenting and the parenting and so all that I mean, that is threaded through our ancestry. It's in our genetics and our DNA and it's, it's in social conditioning as well to this day. So then it's important to look at that and go, you do not have to fix everything within the household because otherwise, how will you know, how your, how will your loved ones know what's theirs and what's not? And how do you know what's yours and what's not? Yeah, totally. And also some self-compassion though, because, and I guess Definitely. I brought up that point about the social expectations because we're kind of swimming upstream on this one, right? Uh-huh. Like we're working against a very yeah. ingrained system as for, as far as we have come for women's um, equality, we still have a really long way to go. And we're still, you know, on all of these things, we are absolutely working against societal expectations. I mean, but it's interesting, even I've noticed in my household now, now that I've surrendered and let go of this, like need to have things, a certain level of cleanliness or whatnot to have people over, we've almost swapped where I find my husband is more conscious and he'll now be like, Oh, like we need to clean up. I'm like, huh? Oh, if you feel like you need to clean up, go for it before they come over. But I'm not, mm-hmm. which has also been really empowering because this is, and this actually might be a really good example where I've had to come to a place of accepting his discomfort. Like, okay, he's feeling like the house is not tidy enough. So that's his own stuff to deal with. So from the emotional side of it, I have to let go of that and be like, okay, well, and then have the boundary of, Hey, like you are welcome to get it to your standard. Whereas in the past, I probably would have felt the guilt and jumped in and been like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. Let's clean up. Let's like da, 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 da. And now I'm at this place of like, Cool, man. Like, so it's like a similar story where my husband, um, we have two dogs, both of whom shed. And so this spring has been a copious amount, copious amounts of dog hair. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the vacuuming and dry mopping piece where Kirk is the, usually the Kirk will be the first one to pull out the dry mop and the vacuum. Cause honestly, I have different priorities yeah. and he's very self-aware about it. He knows that for him seeing the dog hair and the dust around um, is like disrupts his mental state and his clarity of thought. He knows that and fully owns it, but he doesn't expect me to do the vacuuming or the drop bombing. He takes care of it because that's his thing. Interestingly though, um, when it comes So this is a slightly different nuanced thing. He would rather see it out of sight, out of mind than actually take care of it fully. Okay. I have the same issue, same. uh, Okay. I was going to say issue. I'll rephrase that same situation at my house. And 
just to back up for a quick sec too, in yeah. my story that I was sharing to give my husband credit, mm-hmm. he never, he is not the one that makes me feel guilty. Like no. he absolutely like Kirk, he will, yeah. he'll be the one that will get in there and clean. It was me mm-hmm. that was taking on the guilt and the feeling of, I better like, I better help or I better do this. Why not? So exactly. Like I'll offer Kirk might, he'll like vacuum the top floor. I'll be like, yep, I'll vacuum the ground floor, but I'm not going to get to it till tomorrow. So just leave the vacuum at the bottom of the stairs and I'll take care of it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's big clarity, but so interesting. So the The out of sight, out of mind, out of sight, out of mind piece is more, I'm kind of like, it's a little bit like the clutter piece, but I guess if I use the, I'm going to broadly use recycling as a, as a kind of catch all term. So I recycle our soft plastics and, but I have to take them to the recycling center. They don't get picked up from our house. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple boxes by the back door that is like one is soft plastics and one is crunchy plastics. It's like, it's not Mm -hmm. rocket science. If it's soft, it goes in one. If it's crunchy, it goes in the other. And where do I still find the plastics? In the garbage (laughs) with paper. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, Kirk, this is, come like, on, right? <laughs> He's probably not going to listen to this ever, but <laughs> you never know. And like, yes, my husband vacuums, he cleans. He's more like, I'm going to say he's more um, about the cleaning of the counters and the stuff like that than I am. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's the, it's, a, I guess it's like a dissonance between the there's a cognitive dissonance between if you care so much about the cleaning, why is the recycling such a challenge? Right. Well, is it just that it's out of sight, out of mind? It's like, as long as it's somewhere or is it priorities? I don't know. It's like, it makes me think of like, so Mike, Mike likes a clean car. Huh? So he will put like the cars get clean, but sometimes I'm like, how come the house doesn't like, how come there's not the same opposite i like a clean car and kirk will say he does but i will find like three receipts crumpled up and shoved into like the coffee cup holders and like or in the thing and i'm like can we just like not shove it somewhere can we just bring them inside recycle them do something with them so it's kind of an interesting interesting i don't know where we're going with this but that's yeah but it is kind of like it is bless the mess and let stuff go and at the same time, having these open and honest conversations and, and acceptance about acceptance. And I think where for our me, it's been at. a lot of boundary work. It's yes. been a lot of, like I say, putting up that boundary of if he wants a cleaner house, say again, if I'm just using the example of house guests coming over and it's not to his standard, then having the boundary of like, that's okay. I'm not going to make that be about me. And I don't, that doesn't mean that I have to necessarily get up and get it to that standard. And that has been a big shift for me. And so that's the piece of like allowing him to have Mm -hmm. his feelings. And sometimes if I'm being totally honest, sometimes I judge him for that. Like, oh, like really do just let it go. And that's me. That's me judging again. Mm -hmm. So having to get to that place of just like, okay, you're not comfortable. That's okay. But that's not on me. And so to pull it back to this, like, you know, again, letting the mental load, but also letting people have their feelings, letting people be in their puddles of mud and not running in to save the day and fix it. 
and let them understand and, and feel and know and we the can consequences. Be there for them. So yes. we're not saying like be totally cold people and just like, oh, sucks to be you. <laughs> like, right? We can still have empathy and we can still have compassion. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference between that and going in and actually like trying to fix something for them or to control something or tell them how to do something or how they should feel. Yeah. And all the things. And if my husband listens to this, he's going to be like, Oh my gosh, like, is she really talking about this? Because I, I think I did really used to be that way. I'm still that Mm -hmm. way. And like, I'm still a work in progress, but you know, it's, this has been my journey of unpacking this and like, wow, like, okay, I need to really be okay with every, with some of the messy parts, some of the messy bits of life. Like my family doesn't look like the perfect family and that's okay. But yeah, I don't think that's not in my, it doesn't because it's just, it's family life is by definition messy in some form or another. And if it's, Mm -hmm. if it's like, honestly, and if it's not, you have staff. (laughs) (laughs) right i saw this and like speaking of you know learned helplessness and not understanding the consequences of actions when kirk and i lived in abu dhabi in dubai and we encountered people who grew up in homes with servants and with um Mm -hmm. you know staff who like the kid walks in the door drops their bag um takes off their shoes and walks away and the staff pick up empty the bag empty the lunchbox um and then this child grows up, gets their first job when they're 33 and has no idea how to yeah. show up in the workplace. Yeah. So there is something to be said for this, like balancing the self-sufficiency, understanding privilege and showing up, like learning the life lessons of like, if you don't show up, but that that's the other thing, consequences. So it's the 33 year old that I'm thinking of didn't have any natural consequences because of the way there that the social economic structure of that country is set up. Right. They could yeah. show up whenever they want and they would still get their paycheck. Right. So yeah, different cultural norms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, coming back to sort of this natural consequences, right? Like we hear it in parenting, but I'm really starting to see where we also in adulthood don't yes. allow each other to feel natural consequences. Yeah. And that every time we do that, we're actually not we're we're increasing also not, our mental load. Well, we are. We're also increasing our enmeshment, like yeah. with each other. We're not, and we're just, we're not like, what if we could all hold each other to be whole sovereign beings and, and actually trust that we can navigate our way through things. Mm-hmm. And I know like, like that might be making light. Like there's lots of situations that come to mind where you can't just, we can't just take this conversation and apply it blankly to no. every scenario. Um, but it's definitely something that, you know, I've been unpacking and navigating that we see with our own clients. Um, yeah. Like you say, it's rooted in a lot of the work we do. And it's really fucking empowering. It's very empowering. When we unpack it and when we can start to step into, into that. So yeah, I can hear, there's some kids in the background, but I can't, it's not loud. Um, I was going to say that, so for those of you who are listening, who might be recognizing or seeing 
aspects of your life or yourself where you maybe have taken on too much of the mental load or you're, you realize that you can allow natural consequences to unfold more fully, whether the person you are keeping in mind is, is an adult or not. The, what are some ways that you can start with this process? Some suggest like, it well, might be just observing. Observing. My, I feel like my answer to this question, no matter what episode we're on is a little bit the same, but it's like, yeah, it's observing and noticing what you feel about it. Mm-hmm. So stop projecting out yeah. as to what the other person is doing and start turning that mirror and going, how's this making me feel? What yeah. am I judging about myself in this? What am I trying to control? Because I feel like, where do I feel like I don't have control? So I'm trying to control here. Yes. And letting go of, oh, it's so hard letting go of judgment around this self-judgment. And this is where the acceptance piece comes in. If you have not yet listened to our piece on self-acceptance, go back and listen to that right after this. That was last week's episode. This, when we can move into this reflective state and this observation-based and notice, oh, here I'm noticing my judgment. Okay. About myself. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, that's interesting. And maybe just this phrase, huh, that's interesting, is a really good way to neutralize the judgment. And then you can go deeper as a, okay, when did this first begin? Yeah. The curiosity. What life event? Yeah. What life event, if you can link it to one. Mm-hmm. But again, this is kind of some of the work we do. So if think, you yeah, want to unpack it with us, that... then definitely our three, two, one countdown offer is like the three sessions, two of us one transformation that's over a one month period. That's a, this is a, that's a great space to start to unpack some of this. Yeah. Um, but noticing where you're gripping, like, and where are you gripping ooh, yeah. in life? Like, mm-hmm. where am I, you know, my friend of mine and sometimes, and I sometimes talk about like, Oh, I'm white knuckling it. And yeah. sometimes I can like look and go, yeah, like I can. and, and, and sometimes some of it, you need an outlet. Like there are, like I'd say that this whole, like, there's a lot of scenarios in life where we don't, we can't control they're mm-hmm. happening. They're hard, whether it's like a family member is ill or, you know, relationships coming apart or, you know, God knows like so many mm-hmm. different things, right. Where we don't have control. And so we go and try and control other aspects. And sometimes I see myself doing it where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting super uptight about the mess and the the clutter in the corners and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I know that such and such is happening over here and that's feeling really like it's big and there's a lot of emotions and it's actually making me feel better right now to just go and clean up that corner of the house. Like that's okay too. Yes. When we're, but again, by all means take an action to help you feel better. That again is more around like, then we're doing that and we're doing it for ourselves. We're not projecting outwards onto other people. I think where we have to be really conscious is when we start to project that to our loved ones, when we start to should on them, when we start to Mm -hmm. tell them how they, you know, should be what they should do and all the things because makes them feel like they're not enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. And then there's the whole needing cycle. So Oh, that's another whole other yeah, podcast episode. We won't go into that, but um, hopefully this was a bit helpful. We're just trying yeah. to unpack a little bit of what, you know, of what we've observed and what we go through and And where the can journey. you put down some of the mental load in your life and let others. Let others. This is the other thing. If you never put it down, yeah. then you don't actually give the other an opportunity to pick it up. Yeah. 
And it's such an interesting cycle where we won't put it down. Mm-hmm. So the other can't pick it up, but then we become resentful because they're not picking it up, mm-hmm. but it's like, but you're not putting it down. So yep. how are they supposed to pick it up? Like it's, this is the thing, right? I'm I, I get- a really simple life example here. Mm-hmm. So Kirk and I each do our own laundry and part of this, like for our entire relationship, we have always done our own laundry. Mm-hmm. And I think he did one load of laundry for me once. I, and, you know, it was like he put a blouse in and it shrunk. And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> this is like the thing that happened. I'm like, whatever, it's not a big deal. But, and I occasionally I will fold his laundry. But I will not put his laundry or his clothing away. Because I will not be that person to be like, where's my socks? Where's my underwear? Where did you put this? Because I didn't want that mental load. Mm-hmm. And so if you apply that simple like laundry example to other aspects of your life, then how yeah, much can, yeah, how like lighter just, will your mental you, load be? What can you put down? Mm-hmm. And A, be okay if it doesn't pick get picked exactly. up. Or B, like give it some time and it will get picked up. Or clear communication. Put yeah. it down and be really clear in a very neutral, non-emotional, non-judgmental way to yeah. somebody in your family, like whether it's a loved one, a friend, whatever, whoever it is really clearly, Hey, I really need you to pick this piece up for me. Would you be able to do X, Y, and Z? Like sometimes it really comes down to simply healthy communication. Definitely. I no longer can do this. I need you to do it. And so that's another, another really simple, but powerful thing. But yeah, when we don't put it down, I'll never forget. I think I've shared this example in the podcast before, but I'll quickly share it too, just to give another illustration when my kids were younger um, and, you know, I had my girlfriends when all of our kids were kind of younger, there was a number of times where I remember like I'd go on girls weekends and so many of my friends would lay everything out for their husbands, for their kids pack, like, okay, the food, this is the food that's in the fridge. I've laid out their clothes for each day of what they need to wear, or I've packed their bag for blah, 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 blah. And it's like, is your husband not a co-parent? Mm-hmm. Like, are they not? So, but so much of it I saw was rooted in the need to control how it was done with the child. Yes. Oh, well, they might not, they're going to put them in, you know, mismatched clothing. They're going to like, well, <laughs> like they're not going to be able to do that. Like really they're, they're a co-parent. They should be equally able to be raising yep. this child. And without getting into the whole thing about, you know, different dynamics that way, it's like, how are men, how is the other partner ever supposed to figure out how to do this with the child if we don't actually let them them or if a kid wants to put a striped sock and a polka dot sock on one day and pair it with like a tutu and some i don't know they'll figure it out i mean that's yeah it's like whatever you know it's it's again again allowing the agency of experimentation Exactly. Because that child is eventually going to go to school and trust me, they're going to get berated with the social norms of what matches and what doesn't. And what happens if you show up all like mismatched and that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, that's like, that is the prime thing of natural consequence. Society is set up to have these borders, these boundaries to help us figure out how to, and they're not always positive, but it's just the way it is in some senses, but we're always jumping in there, interrupting. Yeah, exactly. It makes life way harder. So put down the mental load. We should start a song for each episode. Put down the mental load. <laughs> oh, on 
that happy note, that note, please put down the mental load and bless the mess. Bless the mess. Let things be. And if you want some guidance and some support on it, reach support, out. definitely yeah. reach out to us. We'd love to help you with that. All right. Have an amazing that. day, night, time, whatever it is you're listening to this. And we'll see you again soon on Knowing Bye. Is Here. Bye. Thanks for joining us for these conscious combos. If you're ready to dive deeper, head on over to wearejenandjane.com to continue the conversation. If you love this episode, please take a moment to share it with your friends or your network and leave us a review by going to Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at wearejenandjane and let us know what you enjoy and what you would like to see more of. We'd love to hear from you.